Well, this lesson is entitled Israel in the Wilderness, part one. We're going to be talking about this whole period of Israel's journeys in two hours and two lessons. This part one essentially really is looking at the book of Numbers and what happens after Israel is uh, leaving Mount Sinai and journeying towards the borderland uh, or the borders of the promised land. All right, so looking at the notes here, if you're following along, uh, Numbers, the book of Numbers, takes its name from the Greek arithmoi. Uh, arithmoi is the origin of our word arithmetic. It's not called the book of Numbers because there's some sort of ancient divinely revealed algorithms or trig or calculus or anything like that. It's called the book of Numbers because it is numbering the people of Israel uh, in two points. Actually, there are two censuses. The first one is in chapter one, where they're going, where they're doing a census of all the Israelites at Mount Sinai, and then there's another census in chapter 26. So the first census is of all those Israelites that left Egypt. They're at Mount Sinai. They've just um, ratified and broken the covenant at Mount Sinai, as we discussed last time. Uh, then they die in the wilderness because of their sins. So then there must be a second census of the second generation. That's why there are two censuses, because the first generation dies. And we'll talk about all of that as we move throughout our lesson. Okay, so this period of numbers covers a duration of 40 years. From the time they leave Sinai to the time they arrive at the borderland, you might be thinking 40 years seems like a long time to go that distance. It really should have only taken them a couple of weeks. You know, a few weeks to travel, if everything is on on task, it takes them 40 years. Why in the world did that happen? Did Moses not ask for directions as a lot of people like to, to joke? And poor Moses, he's out there trying to lead the people and he refuses to ask directions and his wife is just simply saying, honey, just ask directions. No, honey, I know where I'm going. That's not the reason why. There's a specific reason why they have to wander for 40 years and we're going to cover that as well. So lots to do. All right, so let's look here at the first major section of Numbers which I've kind of entitled here, Preparing for Departure in the Notes. Uh, preparing the people happened in the first, first four chapters, Numbers 1 through 4, and we pick up right where we left off with Exodus. The Israelites are at Mount Sinai, and in chapter 1, it has the census, as I mentioned before. So let me just read a few verses for you. We have chapter 1, verse 1. The Lord spoke to Moses in the wilderness of Sinai, in the tent of meeting, on the first day of the second month, in the second year after they came up out of the land of Egypt. So there you have it. It's, been, it's, it's one year, actually, after they first arrive in Sinai. A year later, here you have Moses saying, verse 2, Take a census of all the congregation of the sons of Israel, by families, by fathers' houses, according to the number of names, every male, head by head, from 20 years old and upward, all in Israel who are able to go forth to war. And we'll stop right there. So this census is a couple of interesting things here. Number one, it's only of the males, 20 years old and upward. And you might be wondering, why not the females, right? If this is a census, you kind of want to include all of them. Why not the children? And the reason is, is said here because you want to find out all the males, 20 years old and older, who can go forth to war. So this census is specifically, you might want to think of it as a census that's going to prepare them for the physical warfare that's going to be necessary when they go and enter in the land. This is a census for all the soldiers who are going to fight the battles. Now, another thing to point out as you read, none of the Levites are numbered here. You have the 12 tribes. 
and then the Levites are not numbered. They're separate. And we know this if you go all the way down to verse 47. It says, The Levites were not numbered by their ancestral tribe along with them. For the Lord said to Moses, Only the tribe of Levi you shall not number, and you shall not take a census of them among the sons of Israel, but appoint the Levites over the tabernacle of the covenant, and over all its furnishings, and over all that belongs to it, etc., etc. They're to take care of the tabernacle and the liturgy. So the Levites have a separate census because they are essentially being reserved for spiritual warfare, is how I like to look at it. So the first census of all 12 tribes is for the physical warfare of actually fighting the battles when they get into the promised land. The census of the Levites is for the spiritual warfare, and the spiritual warfare is more important. And if you want to write down in your notes or keep in mind the story of Jericho, that'll make a lot more sense when we get to Joshua in our time of salvation history. So here they're really preparing to depart Sinai, and they're preparing to conquer the land with the 12 tribes, the soldiers of the 12 tribes, and then you've got the Levites who are going to lead them spiritually, okay? Spiritual warfare, like I said. Now, at this point, you're like, okay, wait a minute. That's 12 plus 1. I mean, 12 plus Levi, that's 13 tribes. Why are there 13? Well, if you remember back in Lesson 10 when we were looking at the story of Joseph, I was explaining and sharing with you in how in Genesis 49 through 50, Jacob adopted Joseph's two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh in Joseph's place. So that bumps the number from 12. Jacob does have 12 sons, but in Joseph's place, you've got Manasseh and Ephraim, the two sons that were born to him in Egypt, bringing it to a round number of 13. So if you want to go back and look at that whole story in lesson 10, it'll, it'll make sense. All right. Awesome. So this then also kind of is a good opportunity to review really quickly why the Levites are the new priests. Why are they separate? Why are they uh, separated from all of the other tribes? It's because of everything that went down in Exodus 32. The whole debacle of that golden calf, if you remember. Moses is up on the mountain for 40 days. They're like, oh, well, the cat's away. The mice come out to play kind of a thing. They decide to, um, with Aaron's help, unfortunately, uh, craft this golden calf. They worship it, and it's just not worshiping it, if you remember from our last lesson. Uh, they're involved in all kinds of spiritual idolatry and also spiritual adultery. It is a fertility god, and so there you can imagine all kinds of the fertility um, actions <laughs> that they would fall them fall into. It's 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 really kind of a sexual immorality that's involved in the idolatry. So because of that, all twelve tribes were laicized. And only the Levites stood up for the glory of God, and they essentially become now the one and only priests. All right, this is a huge shame, as we'll talk about a little bit later here in number in letter C of our notes. But, but before we get there, there are two very important verses I've mentioned before, and I'm going to mention it here and probably in Deuteronomy as well in part two of Israel in the Wilderness, Galatians 3 and Hebrews 7. These are very important verses for trying to understand why we have all of these laws in the Pentateuch, the five books of Moses. Why did Israel get so many laws from Sinai all the way up to the promised land? These verses explain why. Number one, Galatians 3.19, why the law? It was added because of transgressions. Whenever Israel sins, Moses has to give them more laws. We do this all the time with children. If a child breaks a particular rule uh, that's set forth by mom and dad, then more laws are added in order to try to bring that kid in the back, back to the straight and the narrow. 
Same thing happens with companies. Uh, policies and procedures are written because employees come up with creative ways to kind of fudge things, right? And then so the HR director has to say, oh, wow, I never thought of that before. So he uh, created a reason for adding a whole new section in the handbook for why you're not supposed to I don't know, do X, Y, or Z, all right? Laws are added because of transgressions. That just happens in normal life. Same thing here with the story of Israel. If you break the law, more laws are given. Related to that, in this particular story, uh, or this time of salvation history with the Levites, Hebrews 7.10 says, when there's a change in the priesthood, there's necessarily a change in the law as well. So here with, uh, with Exodus 32, the golden calf, there is a change of the priesthood. So therefore, you must have a change of the law. And of course, they broke the law of Sinai, and now they must have further laws given. That explains why you have the book of Leviticus. If there was no golden calf, there would have not been the book of Leviticus. That simple, right? And in just a moment here, we'll talk, we'll give you a quick overview of the book of Leviticus. But it's at this point in number, so with that background, with that quick, quick review of the golden calf and why the Levites are now the priests, if you look here in chapter three of Numbers, you have what I like to call it the public shaming, okay? Or the changing of the guard or whatever it is, or whatever you want to call it, because now all the tribes are laicized, the Levites will take their place, and this is what God asks them to do is publicly do this switcheroo, okay? This exchange. There's a couple of different points it's mentioned. Numbers chapter 3, verse 12. Behold, I have taken the Levites from among the sons of Israel instead of every firstborn that opens the womb. The Levites shall be mine, for all the firstborn are mine. So the, the, the point here is the Levites substitute the firstborn sons who used to be priests, and they do this entire public exchange of the guard in verses 40 and following. Uh, chapter 3, verse 40, yeah, 41, you shall take the Levites for me instead of all the firstborn among the sons of Israel and all the cattle of the Levites instead of the firstlings among the cattle of the sons of Israel. And then it goes on to describe this redemption of the firstborn son. You have to buy back your firstborn son because he's no longer a priest and in his place will be a Levite. And, and it is a shame. I, I say a public shaming, but it really is because this gift of a kingdom of priests, what was said back in Exodus 19, that was lost because of their sinfulness, because of their idolatry and spiritual adultery. It's a huge shame. Every family's firstborn son with the father would be the priests. And now you've lost that grace, that benefit, that blessing. It's, it's a huge shaming. And you can just kind of imagine as everyone's doing the switcheroo here and the substitution, you can kind of feel the sting like, yeah, we lost this priesthood because of our sins. All right. So then these, these first few chapters, numbers one through four, it's one year after they arrive at Sinai, the Israelites are receiving all kinds of new laws and directions, stipulations, uh, instructions, etc., on how to worship God in the context of this new Levitical priesthood. You've got a new priesthood. The tabernacle is newly erected and built. You've got new sacrifices stipulated. And all of these instructions are recorded in the final chapters of Exodus, the book of Leviticus, and here in the first opening chapters of the book of Numbers. All right. So that's sort of setting the stage here for us on what's going on and why connecting it with, with Exodus.